0: back to our podcast, Practice Makes Faithful. We are super excited that y'all are joining us today. Uh, my name is Ben Patterson, and I'm here with Paul Hugobart.
1: Yeah, uh, good to be back for this
0: week, uh, for yes.
1: second week of uh, kind of working through this series, so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, we are here in episode 14, and we are in this series called Scent. Scent is uh, Scent commissioned to go into the world. It is, uh, at our time of recording, it's Easter week, so uh, we're getting ready for really an exciting weekend here at Grace Chapel. We've got a lot of, a couple different events going on. We've got a communion hymn service, and uh, it's going to be a good time. Paul, I didn't ask you about this in advance, but do you have any Easter traditions that y'all do as a family? Boy, I
1: I don't know that we really do, to be quite honest. Yeah, I I guess we're... uh, well, my wife would probably like if we were a little more tradition-oriented. I'm not just that. I, maybe I personally, I'm not that great of a tradition yeah, yeah. kind of, you know, kind of human, I suppose. So I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had yeah, more I to say about that, but that's, yeah. all, that's all I got. Uh, we no, eat we, food. We yep. hunt eggs. We give our kids candy. Then we pay dental bills later. So, <laughs> so, wow, what a what a lovely yeah, like optimistic else. view like on
0: else. American Easter traditions. Yeah, American
1: Easter traditions. <laughs> now, obviously,
0: you know. somehow we've bought into the whole uh, the ham on Easter thing, and Have you? I do that every year. But it seems so peculiar because Jesus was Jewish, so Jesus probably didn't eat ham. So to eat ham on Easter is just it's an odd thing. But we've bought into that tradition, and I do it every year it is strange we should be eating lamb yeah it should be a lamb meal it should be lamb
1: yeah um i've never done smoked lamb but i've done plenty of smoked ham. yeah that sounds amazing smoked lamb yeah that sounds amazing maybe one day okay groovy
0: well i hope you all have some easter plans coming up uh outside of just that fun stuff like it really is it's an incredible week to celebrate jesus to celebrate this just most significant day in Mm -hmm. all of history so we're excited that we're gearing up to that next week. Our podcast will be covering our Easter Sunday sermons. So right. I encourage you to join us for that. Tune in. If you don't have a church family that you're tuning into. we'd love for you to tune in with us on Easter this week. But it's going to be a good time. Uh, so for today, we're going to dive in to this message sent uh, we're in part two, so Paul. I guess before we get into part two of this, you want to just tell us sure. what is this series all about? Can't say in case anyone's tuning in for the first time, give us a quick recap of where we're at now.
1: Yes, so so when we look at um, a number of the different statements that Jesus makes about his purpose here, uh, his mission here on earth. Certainly, we can see, you know, in Luke. Uh, you know, um, in, in, the, in the encounter with Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus says, you know, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, and so certainly Jesus came to do that to seek and save the lost, but He also came to train others for mission. Mm-hmm. Um, he also came to send others on mission, and then He ends His earthly ministry here by commissioning us onto mission as well. Uh, and so I think, you know, that's really kind of what we're focusing on this month, moving through this progression Um, of seeing the disciples first called and chosen, Mm -hmm. of seeing in that, the fact that we have also been called and chosen. Many of the New Testament writers Mm -hmm. talk about that very Mm -hmm. plainly. We have been called and chosen by God in in a very similar way. Um, You know, it wasn't on a mountainside or maybe it was for some people, Um, but we have been called and chosen by God. Um, We belong to Him in that. So uh, then out of that, you know, we're working through a number of progressions. So we're called and chosen. Uh, Then we're equipped Um, Then we have this sending but then you know beyond the sending comes this commissioning where we're not just Sent without a purpose we're sent and we're given a real purpose and that's the progression that we're walking through this month so that we can see um, Man, there's there's something really powerful in being called and chosen Mm -hmm. Um, But as we talked about yesterday if it stopped there Um, Then you know we would just be called and chosen, but we wouldn't have been given necessarily the training, the equipping, the tools that we need to go on. Then if we were given the tools and it didn't actually, we didn't, you weren't given a purpose for those tools. uh, And then if we weren't given that moment of of commissioning, you know, and we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. the last Mm -hmm. Sunday of uh, of this month, and also then on the podcast the following week. There's, there's something really powerful, you know, why do we do graduation ceremonies? Well, it almost is that commissioning to now take mm-hmm. what you have spent your last, you know, high school four years, mm-hmm. college four years, you know, master's program, however long that was, uh, being trained and equipped to now go and do what you've been trained and yeah. equipped to go and do. And so that kind of is this series in a nutshell. And so, so now nobody has to tune in to listen to the rest of it, right? So, <laughs> uh, no, we just, uh, it's just grazing yeah, so, the surface I, level. Um, I think something I love about this
0: this series, kind of how we began this last week, I think we'll continue forward with today, is just how it really. um, I think it so clearly is laying out our purpose, right? Of like our purpose in joining Jesus' mission, and um, I loved there's something that you you talked about just briefly in the review from this past week's sermon is you kind of, we're just talking about this idea of the value that this really gives to our lives of knowing that we have been called and chosen by Jesus. As we talked about last week, you were just giving this example of how so often in our world today we see this Need for value. This uh, yes. this need where people aren't necessarily experiencing value. Yes. Where you see this idea of the midlife crisis, yes. right? right? And that's even branched off to this quarterlife yes. crisis, to the where John you have right. yeah. these people who are you're looking at your life and you see that there's there's a lack of value. There's yes. a lack of meaning of like what am I doing? So Very it leads so. to this whole reevaluating of your life, and. I just love that the mission of Jesus gives us such value. Absolutely. It gives us such a, a purpose that we're going forward with to know that we are called, that we are chosen by Jesus. I mean, that that's yeah. the most fantastic value we could have.
1: Absolutely. And it's really big. I mean, reconnects with uh, where we began in this podcast at the beginning of the year, You know, looking at you know kind of a declaration that several even secular psychologists are making uh, saying that we have, that we're in the midst of a meaning yeah. crisis. Yeah. Um, you know, because we've been trying to discover our own meaning, but our meaning comes through our creation mm-hmm. uh, by God the Father in His image. And then, you know, a, a whole new facet to that is now when, when Jesus gives us meaning for living mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So we go beyond the creation now to all the days of your life. Here's, here's this meaning and value, and so that you can look at your life and say, man, there is worth yeah. in what I'm doing, significant yeah. worth and value. Um, to, to the way that I am living out the meaning, my meaning and purpose, uh, that is truly God-given, Jesus-given. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly right.
0: So we really started off in this series with that idea of mm-hmm. um, that we are we are chosen by mm-hmm. Jesus. We're called, we're chosen. So tell us about how we moved into, what we moved into this week and uh, this week's message.
1: Yeah, again, I, I kind of began with... Um, you know, with facetiously talking about, you know, what what if we, you know, those of us who are parents, uh, we had decided to have kids. So there's that moment of choosing, mm-hmm. and then there's even that that there comes these moments where we think about what what are we going to call our kids, what are we going to name our kids, and there's there's uh, there's significance in that calling and that naming, and so you know, kind of use that to say, well, that's that's kind of like a choosing and a calling, right? You know, mm-hmm. so we we decide we'd like to have these children in our lives, and. Uh, what if we, uh, as parents, decided that, you know, in that moment, we had done all that we needed to do as parents. Well, we we decided to have kids, um, you know, so then my wife, you know, she carries our, our children for, for nine months, and then we give them names, and then we say, good luck from here, right? I mean, it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. In fact, people would look at us and say, that's wildly negligent mm-hmm. uh, as parents, and, and in fact, when we see stories like that, I mean, they're they're horror stories where, uh, where you know, there's there's this child that is born and the parents decide they don't want this child and so, um, I mean, we've seen terrible things of, of people finding children like brand new babies yeah. in dumpsters, you know, or dropped off somewhere because they were abandoned by their parents and so we look at that and we say that's incredible negligence mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. that. Well, um, you know, the reality is as parents, what we do and the way we invest ourselves in our children, uh, certainly. Some of that happens in those nine months in the womb, you know, where, you know, we do the silly things like, you know, I mean, put our hand on on mama's belly and and talk to that baby. And (laughs) and if you do that and you find a lot of meaning in that, I'm not saying that you're silly. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, that's not where parenting begins, you know. So parenting begins the moment that child is born. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have these moments where you're taking care of a child that can't take care of themselves at all. And then as they grow, they start to be able to take care of themselves a little bit more and they develop a little bit more independence. And so, the way you parent, the way you train, the way you teach, and the way you equip, and even the things that we're teaching, training, and equipping for, uh, they change over uh, the, the, the kind of the growth span of that child. Mm-hmm. But that is where, you know, from birth. And then I kind of joked about, you know, through 18, and I said, in reality, we all know as parents, you know, and my parents know this with me, you know, your parenting goes on well beyond 18 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, in the way that you engage with your children, but in that, we know that it's not just the calling and the choosing, yes, that has incredible significance, because that's where it begins. And so that is the foundation for what we're talking about this month, the calling and the choosing, and there's significance in that, there's meaning in that, there's, again, it bestows belonging, it bestows purpose, it bestows value. All those things are very true about the calling and the choosing, but it's what comes after the calling and choosing that really then sets the course forward. And so, um, you know, so as parents, we know that to be true. You know, we're investing in our kids for so many different reasons because we want them to become... Um, you know, good followers of Jesus because we Mm -hmm. want them to become productive members of society because, you know, some of us who uh, were engaged in athletics and our kids are engaged in athletics, you know, we spend time training them on how to become better at whatever it is they're doing, basketball, baseball, football, soccer, whatever that happens to be. Academically, we're helping them do homework. Mm -hmm. You know, all these things that we're doing to to invest in our kids uh, for the sake of helping them become the people that they were created to be in a sense, you know? And certainly as parents, we get that wrong all the time. You know, all the time, we just, we do our best in that, but we have this hope and desire in that. Well, um, you know, in, in this week's message, and you know, certainly what we'll talk about for the rest of the podcast, we see Jesus very plainly, you know, having that moment of choosing and calling or calling and choosing with his disciples. But then we see throughout the rest of the gospel accounts, you know, after that calling and after that choosing takes place, we see Jesus begin to invest in these disciples Mm -hmm. in very measurable ways so that he will teach, train, and equip these guys. Mm -hmm. And so, really, that's what we looked at, uh, you know, I think uh, this past Sunday is that, yes, we are called and chosen by God, by Jesus. Um, but just as jesus disciples were taught by him, trained by him, and equipped by him for the mission that lay ahead, we as followers of Jesus today are still taught, trained, and equipped as we go by God himself, but then there are other ways that ha- that happens as well
0: and so that that really was our our focus for this uh, this past mm-hmm. week 's message that 's good that 's good so let, I guess let 's talk about that a little bit more of um, so, kind of this idea that you talked about of Jesus really was apprenticing his followers. Yes. I mean, I think you have the parent training their child. Like, what what did that look like? What model did Jesus use on that? Yes. Like, how did he apprentice them or disciple them? Right? Is the yeah. word that yes. you might use? Yeah. In fact, um,
1: you know, I talked about uh, that. The word disciple um, often is translated students, and and that's that's okay. Um, what what we do sometimes, I'm afraid, when we make it student in the English language is that we make it seem as though it's just about learning, just about a mm-hmm, learning experience. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's the way we've treated a lot of, <laughs> you know, a lot of discipleship within churches mm-hmm. is we assume that if we have taught people the right things, then they're going to go do the right things, Yeah. right? And that's just not really the way it works, you mm-hmm, know? And so the word apprentice mm-hmm. is so much better in that when we're really trying to understand what it means to be, A disciple Mm -hmm. and you know I love the word disciple because it's it's a Bible word and I believe we ought to use Bible words as much as we can but sometimes we have to make sure we understand what those Bible words actually mean Mm -hmm. you know so again when we talk about discipleship here at Grace Chapel we use the real life ministry ministry's definition of what it means to be a disciple it's one who is following Jesus being changed by Jesus committed to the mission of Jesus so Jesus was apprenticing these guys so that he could help transform them mold them into the people they needed to be to then live out Mm -hmm. the mission of Jesus faithfully uh, throughout the rest of their lives. And so, um, you know, I I try to make the case that what it seems that Jesus is doing is using what is a a fairly popular uh, apprenticing model within our day and age or a fairly popular way of describing the apprenticing Mm -hmm. model, which has sometimes been described this way, right? So I do, you watch, and then we talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, if you were learning some sort of a trade or a craft, yep. uh, you would watch the master tradesman, you would observe what's happening, you're not putting your hands on whatever it is yet. Mm-hmm. You don't get to touch it yet. right? We use so, this
0: model when we're training people in the production ministry yes. a Grace Chapel for learning our tech equipment. That's right. Don't touch the computer yeah. until you know what you're doing, right?
1: <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. Or don't put your hands on the welder until you know what you're doing. Don't yeah. touch that saw until you know what you're doing, in a sense. and so. So Jesus invited his disciples to come along and watch him
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: as he did what he did, right? And so we talked about in a couple of passages, you know, uh, yesterday that, that Jesus said in Luke 9 and Luke 10, he gives first the 12, then 72 others, the ability to drive out demons and to heal. Well, those are the things that Jesus had been doing. He was going around healing people as he's proclaiming the kingdom of God. Yeah. So as kind of a, uh, you know, a way of testifying to his identity And what was happening among them, he's proclaiming the kingdom of God, but then saying, watch, Mm -hmm. here's how I will verify that I am who I say I am and that the kingdom is really coming. I'm driving out demons, so uh, pushing out the influence of evil in a sense, and then also um, restoring people to wholeness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, these were evidences of the kingdom being among them. So Jesus, when he sends first his 12 out in Luke 9, He gives them the ability to heal, drive out demons. And then we see the 72 others in Luke 10 do the same thing. So those were the things Jesus had been doing. They had been watching and observing. So that's the first one. I do it, you watch me do it, and then we talk about it. Then the next one is this, let's do this together. Let's share this thing together. And that's kind of what Jesus is doing in Luke 9 and Luke 10, although he definitely does send them out to do it on their own but it's while he's still around. So where was Jesus when all this was happening? I don't know exactly where he was, maybe preparing for the next phase of his ministry, maybe somehow even keeping in touch with these guys that he had sent out. Certainly Mm -hmm. we know there's some time that goes by between the Luke 9 and Luke 10 accounts of the sending out of the 12 and the 72. But that kind of seems to be the, you know, we do it together and then we Mm -hmm. come back Mm -hmm. and we talk about it phase, which is exactly what Jesus does. He debriefs with these guys when they come back. So Luke 9, they come back, They kind of escape for a while and they talk about what happened. They report, the disciples report to Mm -hmm. Jesus, the same thing that happens in Luke 10. They come back and they are on top of the world, talking about what they had done in Jesus' name, in His authority, through His authority, by His authority, uh, that they drove out demons. And Jesus rejoices and says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, right? I mean, He rejoices with what happens and He praises God for what happened as These little ones is what he says. He calls them the ones that had been his disciples, his students, Mm -hmm. his apprentices, or were his apprentices at that point in time, as they had gone out and done the things that he was doing, and then they came back and they talked about it together. Mm -hmm. And then there was the day coming for all these disciples, these apprentices, where Jesus was going to send them out and they were mm-hmm. gonna go do on their own, mm-hmm. right? So you got this, you know, I, I do it, you watch, we talk about it. We do it together, we talk about it. Then we have the you go do it and then let's talk about it. You know, and that's, that's kind of how Jesus uh, spent, spent his time. You know, I mean, Luke 8 is another great example of the, you know, I do it, you watch, we talk about it as he shares with them the parable of the sower. yeah, And then yeah. has this conversation with them about yeah. the parable sort of like an offline conversation. So he's sharing this parable with a whole bunch of t- in front of a large crowd, right? So he shares the parable in front of a crowd. Then his disciples were a little bit confused, so they came and found him, and he explains the parable to them, his disciples and some others, it seems, that, that, that were there as well. And so you have these kind of moments where Jesus is doing what he does. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's uh, performing miracles, he's driving out demons. The disciples are watching, they're talking about it, and then comes the moment where the disciples are called to go do that same thing. Even the proclaiming the kingdom, that was all about preaching. <laughs> They've been listening to Jesus preach and teach as a rabbi. So now they model what he was doing. And so I think when we talk about the method that Jesus uh, was using, it's very much an apprentice, uh, apprenticeship style method. It's watch me do this, let's talk about it, it's let's do this together, let's talk about it, you go do it, let's talk about it again. So that every step along the way, you're being taught yeah. the right things, you're being trained in it, and now you're being given the tools that's equipping to go do it yourself as well.
0: I love that. I mean, I know I've seen in my lo- in my life mm-hmm. how brilliant that model is. Yes. Yeah, um, that is how I have been like trained in ministry. I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly I've had people yes. work with me on discipleship on that as well. But I, like, I just think of very very directly of how. I have learned youth ministry and how I've worked with Rocky and with so many others in Grace Chapel throughout the years. To where I started out in high school, where I think the first ministry thing I was brought into was serving in a second grade small group. And John Chamblin recruited me for that and brought me into that. It was my first time ever doing really anything in a ministry Mm -hmm. role. Mm -hmm. And then that slowly grew and grew to enjoy that and continued with children's ministry till Rocky kind of started to pull me into youth ministry and it started like we worked through that model together. Like yep. there was a there was a level of he was doing it and I was I was learning. It was a teaching component there in the beginning. I think of that yep. throughout my high school years and then we started to kind of move into a stage of we were doing ministry together and he was um you know, still continuing to teach me different things, and we work together on a lot of things, and Mm -hmm. then now to where I'm at, and he has really kind of empowered me to run certain aspects of youth ministry, and it's just, it's been a beautiful model in my life that honestly, I even think of my own, my direction in college to where I started taking some classes and started to think, wait a minute, I've learned a lot of youth ministry. I would have major in something else that led to my choice to major in uh, counseling because yeah. I'd already been apprenticed in youth ministry. Right. I've been taught so much through this model, so I just I can just see yes. in my own life the brilliance of that. Um, as someone who I wouldn't have thought in high school I was going to go into ministry. Mm-hmm. I would have never thought that was going to be my career path. I wanted to be in culinary. I wanted to be a chef and. Through that model of how Rocky and so many others trained me here at Grace Chapel, it yep. it altered the trajectory of my life. Yep. Um, so I just I think it's brilliant. <laughs>
1: yeah, we have uh, several other stories I think of of some that came up through the youth group that, that I yeah. think you know developed in a in a very similar way. That you know if they were here they could share their stories as well. You know I think my story is somewhat similar too in that um, you know I when I began my, my time in ministry, um, you know, I, uh, I certainly wouldn't have had in mind that I would be, um, you know, preaching primarily today, as you know, kind of yeah, the yeah. way that I lead and, and engage, and that, that that would be one of my biggest uh, ways of ministering to a congregation one day, um, you know. But it was through uh, the first uh, lead minister that I worked with, his name was Steve Fox, uh, who said, um, you know, very early on in my ministry time, I think you need to preach once a month. And i no, I don't. <laughs> nope, it's not part yeah, of my contract. Yeah. I'm not, no, I don't want to do this. And, you know, he bit by bit encouraged me into mm-hmm. that and, um, you know, got to where, you know, I, who uh, despised the idea of public speaking, really, mm-hmm. and being in front of a crowd, now um, still don't always love the idea of being in front of a crowd, but love the opportunity <laughs> to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, God's Word and, it, and communicated it in the power of the Holy Spirit and know that it's not about me anyway and so you know that came about because of an apprenticing in a sense you mm-hmm, know and saying mm-hmm. I'm calling you into this a little bit further and so certainly you know that's what discipleship looked like for mm-hmm. Jesus and his disciples and so we can see the power in in the, the, the method you know I think oftentimes we are very we should be we, we should be enamored with the message of Jesus we should mm-hmm. preach the message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But every much as we love the message of Jesus, we should also love the methods of Jesus as it relates to disciple making. And so, um, you know, so as we watch Jesus apprentice his followers, and I think, again, as he uses this, what, what, you know, what is, I think, a very clever model for apprenticing, you know, very, very easy and practical I'm gonna do it, you're gonna watch, and then let's talk about it. And the talk about it piece is just as important as anything else, that mm-hmm. debrief, because then you start to see where where the understanding is maybe not clicking. In fact, there are a number of times where Jesus, in the gospels, his disciples have a question in the debrief, and Jesus is, just, I mean, it's like he's blown away by the fact that you still don't understand this?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after all the teaching
1: and training that we've done, after the equipping, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you still don't understand this, but you can see in that now he's still mm-hmm. operating on that model because then he turns around and he explains it. So there's the debrief at the end of uh, the end of that, mm-hmm. and that's very important to be doing and talking, doing together and talking, then watching somebody do and then talk about it.
0: So do you think, I, when it comes to being um, apprenticed by Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, is that Model still applicable to us today when we're not following the physical Jesus, the embodied yeah. Jesus here on earth?
1: Um, yes, I, I think very much so. Yeah. Um, you know, okay. I think partially because we have a responsibility as we disciple others, mm-hmm. you know, so we mm-hmm. as the church, like I said, just said, you know, I think we embrace the me- message of Jesus. We should also embrace the methods of Jesus. And so as we see that model in play for Jesus, it ought to be really kind of the primary model that we use in disciple making yeah. as we seek to teach, train, and equip others for, for ministry going forward. So yeah, I mean, I think that model is is incredibly applicable. And, you know, I think even maybe there's more implied in your question is, is Jesus himself still at work, um, you know, teaching, training, and equipping. And certainly I think, you know, we spent a whole month last month talking about the, the way the Holy yeah. Spirit works, yeah. and if, if you didn't uh, if you didn't listen to uh, those particular podcast episodes, I would you know strongly suggest we can't go through all of that again, mm-hmm. you know, today. Mm-hmm. But um, but the Holy Spirit is very much uh, intended to be at work in us, um, so, refining us, yeah. making us making us the people we need to be.
0: So let's, let's talk about that because you did okay. you mentioned three ways that uh, Jesus is still training yeah. and equipping his followers. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's talk about each of those three ways because yeah. I think you're kind of starting to mention maybe the yep. first one. So um, right. would you give us what are the three ways and then we're gonna take them okay. just one at a time and let's really okay. unpack that and talk about what that looks like because I think that's so crucial for okay. for us, for everyone listening that we understand like these are the ways that Jesus is uh, training and equipping us yes. so that we invest in each of those. Um, And I think maybe some practices will kind of come out of each of those things to some extent. So um, tell us what those three are and then we'll unpack them.
1: Okay, so I want to give you the three and I want to give you just quick scripture scripture references that go with them as well. So the first is really um, through the work of of God Himself, you know, Hebrews 13, um, the Hebrew author tells us, verse 20, 21, that, uh, that God continues to equip us to this day and, and I'd say that, that we could read in between the lines and say that that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, you know Romans eight, we talked about that last month, is, is you know teaching, training, and equipping, equipping us, refining us, so that we look more like Jesus day by day. So that's uh, you know I think that's the first one. So so how are we um, how are we equipped today for the work that we need to do? Well, the Holy Spirit continues to be one of the prime ways that you and I are taught, are trained, and then equipped. Mm-hmm. So, so the Holy Spirit, so leaning into that relationship. So we'll dig into that in just a minute. Um, the second one would be the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 2 Timothy 3.16, very important passage, right? That yeah. Scripture, right, is all Scripture is God-breathed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're leaning into that belief, all Scripture is God-breathed, and then Paul says it's useful for training. So that's one of the words that we've been talking about. He gets them in a different order, but he says training, rebuking, correcting, uh, or teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped mm-hmm. for every good work. So, mm-hmm. thorough equipping, mm-hmm. every good work. So, that is by being in scripture that that, that, that happens. And then the last one from Ephesians chapter four, um, you know, we have what sometime, sometimes is called the apest model, which really is that, you know, these leaders within the church were given to the church by Jesus himself. I mean, that's what Paul says. Christ gave to the church himself. Um, you know, gave the apostles, uh, gave the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers for the work of equipping the saints, equipping the body, his people for works of service. And so, um, so you have those three just real quickly. Uh, again, we have first, we have God himself through the Holy Spirit. And second, we have through the work of the word, scripture, and then through the work of the church that God is at work equipping disciples today.
0: Awesome. awesome. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about each of those and okay. let's uh, maybe really get practical with that, uh, yes. kind of what that, what that looks like. So, what does it look like through, for God Himself, through the work of the Spirit, to train and equip us? Yeah. So, um,
1: so in Hebrews 13, the Hebrew author talks about Jesus um, in the sense of being the great shepherd of the sheep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a, that's a really powerful image. You know, We think about uh, shepherds and elders within churches. We know that the head shepherd or the great shepherd is Jesus. David says about God, it says your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the, the rod was thought to be this guiding tool that is used. So the shepherd will use the rod to guide the sheep and to steer them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have this imagery here of Jesus being the great shepherd of the sheep and so then he says as well with that he says may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ calling him now the great shepherd of the sheep he says equip you with everything good for doing his will right and then he goes on to say and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever amen I mean that is uh, you know the Hebrew author in in these kind of glowing kind of flowery words saying here is what God is continuing to do in us. Now, yeah. keep in mind that the Hebrew author is writing after Jesus has, um, he has, he has died, he's been crucified, um, he's been buried, he's been, you know, he has risen, and he has also now ascended. So Jesus is not around in the flesh at this time when the Hebrew author is talking about the equipping work of God being ongoing. Mm -hmm. Okay, So we don't have God in the flesh, we don't have God in a body, we don't have Jesus Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. flesh, Um, but we do have the Holy Spirit working to continue to equip His people, according to the Hebrew author, with everything good for doing His will. Mm -hmm. That's a huge statement that I think we, we ought not to pass over quickly, that God continues to be at work to equip His people with everything good for doing His will which is to live out the mission of God on this earth. Yeah. Live out the mission of Jesus. And yeah. so just as Jesus invested in His disciples, you know, we talked about last month, and again, I think this is such, such a, a big thing that we can't gloss over. You know, Jesus in the Gospel of John, as He's getting ready to leave, tells His disciples, it's better for you if I go, because then I will send the Advocate. Yeah, And we, we fleshed that out last month, why it was better, because Jesus in the body could only be in one place. The Holy Spirit in our bodies indwelling us can be everywhere that believers are. So the work that Jesus was doing with His disciples as He was with them in the flesh is the same work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us as He's with us indwelling our bodies. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is with us doing the same work that Jesus was doing. And so right here, very plainly, part of that work is to equip us through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit with everything good for doing His will. So that's the first thing, and I think we we have to acknowledge that. I mean, I think I think we should not just acknowledge it; we should celebrate it. That God continues to do through the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit the work that Jesus was doing in the body with His disciples in the years that He walked the earth with them. That's that's a big, big thing for us to celebrate and acknowledge.
0: Yeah, that's really good. So can can we get can we take that one more one more layer and stay mm-hmm. in that for a minute? Yeah. Okay. And um, I want to get. A little bit more even just a little bit more practical. And can you give any any example of I mean I don't know, just how that how that might actually practically look in a person's yeah. life, to be trained and equipped through the work of the spirit. Yeah. Um, and that's something I know yeah. we talked a lot about this over in the last series, so certainly I would encourage y'all to go back and check that out again. But um, I'm just what that might like if someone's listening and thinking that man, I would I would love that. I would love yes. to be experiencing more of that. What's, what, what's a step that would take towards that? Yeah, yeah I, I talked like? uh,
1: you know, last month about the need to be sensitive to the voice of God, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and so just maybe the, I can speak on a very practical level. The, the decision I made, um, continue to make an honor to this day, that when I believe the Holy Spirit is calling me to do something, I say yes to it. Even if I might be wrong, yeah. You know, so if I'm wrong and there's just you know there's maybe this good impulse that came out of me to meet a need to minister to somebody, um, you know, and, and then I you know I talked about as well the fact that um, you know to this point as I have said yes to the things that I believe the Holy Spirit is calling me into there's never been a time that I have walked away regretting it afterwards mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or felt like man that was really a miss mm-hmm. um, you know every time where I have said yes and and shot to be faithful given my best attempt at being faithful and you know one thing that we like to say around here is you know, about faithfulness is that faithfulness is never failure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so my best attempt at faithfulness is not failure and I think God rewards those even even if maybe we we're not attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, but we're hearing something within ourselves. Um, you know, and, and, and I try to weigh those, you know, because obviously if it's, if it's a bizarre idea, I, I try to be kind of careful in that, and I will maybe come back and revisit it. If I continue to feel convicted, then I, I go with it. And so um, here, here's the great thing about that is, that as I have, as I have been living that out for the last uh, several years at this point, I do believe I'm becoming more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit within my life. And so it's something that, you know, maybe is a, you know, we talk about equipping in the sense of tools. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm actually then being equipped to better hear the Spirit at work in my life by saying yes. And so I think it really is, it's, you know, practice sensitivity and then practice faithfulness. Yeah. And and if, if you're wrong, again, I'll ask the same question I asked last month. What would you rather be wrong about? Well, for me, mm-hmm. I would rather be wrong mm-hmm. in believing that I heard the voice of the Spirit calling me to do something, especially something that was good. And I went ahead and do it, did it, and I was wrong on the side that it, you know I erred in thinking it was the Holy Spirit, and it was actually an idea that came from inside of yeah. me, yeah. as opposed to, The Holy Spirit was calling me to do something, and I said no to that. I love that. And because of that, I was wrong, and I actually quenched the Holy Spirit. I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. I want to say yes to the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, as we're saying yes to the Holy Spirit, my my firm belief is that, you know, if God calls us to do something, He gives us what we need to do it. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit calls you to do something. He gives you what you need to do it. Well, that's a moment of training and equipping that happened right there through the power of God.
0: I love that. You know, I just think of in my own... Life. I had a instance this past week of where I'd say of training from God through the Spirit. Of I, uh, I've shared this several times. I love journaling and yeah. um, I love going out. Not that I'm great at journaling, but I do really. I'm very. I find it is very beneficial practice in my life. And um, I this past week just took an afternoon, went out to a park where just. Went out I was just quiet, just in the mm-hmm. presence of God and the presence of the Spirit. I was out at Pools Mill Park for anyone yeah. local around here. Mm-hmm. I l- love that spot and just sitting there by the river. You got like the, the raging waters there. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there and just meditating, just trying to listen for the voice of God. I'm journaling some things and just thoughts that I'm having. It was just this moment of, in my own life of feeling like I was being trained and equipped. Through the work of the Spirit, and just yes. came out of there with a lot of clarity on some direction that I needed to take in my life going forward. So maybe it could look like something like that for you all of just taking mm-hmm. just taking a few moments of just being quiet there, being still, just meditating, contemplating. Um, that's is yep. one uh, way that I might look in my life of the, that aspect of training. Yeah. So let's look at the next one. Okay. Um, yeah, first way of training through God Himself, through the Holy Spirit. Second one is through the work of the Word, through the work of the Word of God, through Scripture. Uh, So talk about that. What what does that look like? Um, Share a little bit about that. Yeah,
1: so just uh, real practically, I mean, Paul is actually reminding Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, uh, he begins in verse 14, reminding Timothy um, about the way that he became convinced and convicted, in a sense, um, about, Uh, the goodness of God and the message of Jesus, and it was through engaging with the Holy Scriptures. Now, I'm not sure exactly what Holy Scriptures that um, Paul may have been referencing. There probably were, at this time, some of the early New Testament writings around. Mm -hmm. But most of what Paul is probably referencing is actually the Old Testament Scriptures Mm -hmm. at that point. So he actually says to him, he says, as for you continue in what you've learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. So I think you know there's probably some teaching uh, out of the scriptures that was taking place. You know mm-hmm. we know that Timothy had some faithful family members that he was around that were teaching him. I believe his grandmother had taught him uh, some, and then then you also maybe now have this engagement with. Paul, the apostle, is he, is he referring to himself as well? Although Paul says, you know, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. So if it's from infancy, then he's definitely talking about the Old Testament Scriptures. But he says this about those, he says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting that uh, that Paul refers to the, the Scriptures, even if they were the Old Testament Scriptures, saying, these will lead you to Jesus, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think, okay. I think we believe that... Um, you know, uh, without committing what some call the Christological fallacy, we we do believe that all Scripture is pointing to Jesus uh, in in that way. And so, um, I may have opened a can of worms with that term for some. Um, but uh, but but then Paul goes on to say this. He says, "All Scripture is God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." Mm-hmm. Now, if we believe that's true, and I know that there there are um, there are some who uh, around in our day and age that question uh, and that's not a new thing people have always questioned the inspiration of Scripture or God breathedness of Scripture whatever it is people have always questioned that but, but we believe that firmly that all Scripture is God breathed mm-hmm. um, we believe that Paul was pointing that out plainly to Timothy and then us as well that Scripture is inspired by God the Holy Spirit worked to inspire Scripture therefore it calls us into this place now where we mm-hmm. as we engage with Scripture Um, we're being trained, we're being taught. Sometimes Paul says even corrected, which is part of teaching and training. Sometimes rebuked, which is part of training, by the way, as well, Mm -hmm. so that we as servants of God can be, and this is huge, thoroughly equipped. I mean, think about the absoluteness of the language that Paul uses. He says thoroughly equipped. Mm -hmm. You know, to be thoroughly equipped is almost like an above and beyond level of of equipping. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say adequately adequately equipped. He Mm -hmm. says thoroughly equipped for most good works that come around, he says every good work, and he says in Scripture, that equipping takes place, or really as we engage with Scripture, that kind of equipping takes place. And so, you know, I, I mean, if we're going to try to get somewhat practical with this one, it's, I mean, be devoted to reading Scripture.
0: Yeah. I mean, truly
1: yeah. be devoted to reading the Scripture and, and, and read it for the purpose of learning what God has to teach you. You know, I think um, we we are more and more trying to, um, I was say push our folks. I mean, push is not a good, guide guide (laughs) our folks here at Grace Chapel to engaging scripture with a method like the discovery method, Mm -hmm. discovery Bible study or three thirds. There are several other methods that engage in a very similar way. What most of those have in common is this. They ask several really important questions. The first one that they ask is, what do we learn about the nature of God as we engage this passage of Scripture? Then they'll last something along the lines of, what do we learn about the nature of people mm-hmm. as we engage this Scripture? Then, as we take what we've learned about the nature of God, the nature of people, and we bring that together and we look back to that Scripture. Is there something that out of this Scripture I'm being called to do as a faithful response to what I've just learned? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what can I do to be obedient, to be mm-hmm. faithful to what I've just learned? and then we're committing that to others. Here's what, here's what I believe God is calling me to do to be faithful. Well, as you practice faithfulness to, we talked about the Holy Spirit already, maybe the leading of the Holy Spirit, as we now practice faithfulness to the things of Scripture, which were inspired by the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God, we now are again trained and equipped
2: mm-hmm.
1: in that moment. So we were taught Then when we put it into practice, that's where the training and equipping uh, comes into play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think just at a a very practical level, again, is, you know, man, one, if if you don't have as a regular routine, um, a time where you sit down daily to read scripture, to be taught so that you can then be through the engagement with scripture, trained and then then equipped, um, man, you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life because, yeah. again, Jesus is still at work yeah. teaching, training, and equipping. But we have to be um, we have to be recipients of that teaching, training, and mm-hmm, re- equipping. Mm-hmm. It, it requires receptiveness and a response on our part. I love
0: that. That's really good. That's really good. So I think that's a pretty that's a pretty straightforward mm-hmm. one as a step for us of yep. finding finding some time in your life and whatever that looks like. and For a lot of us, I know for me, it's a, it's a morning practice. Um, if that's mm-hmm. what that looks like for you, that, that's awesome. Some people do that in the evening, but of just finding a time to regularly engage in Scripture yes. um, in your life as a rhythm of your life. So... That's two. What it is so that third way, third way we're talking about how Jesus yeah. trains and equips us is yes. through the work of the church. Yes. Share about that. What is that? What does that look like? How is Jesus training and equipping us through the work of the church?
1: Yeah, so this comes directly from Ephesians four, you know, beginning in eleven, uh, Ephesians four eleven, the apostle Paul says this, and this is significant, in that this was something that Jesus has purposed, he has done himself. This is what Paul says, he says, so Christ himself. Gave and and by inference in that, we're saying that he gave to the church, Mm -hmm. right? So he gave to the church apostles, he says, then he says the prophets, then he says the evangelists, then the pastors or the elders, the shepherds, and teachers to equip people for works of service. Mm -hmm. So Paul says in Jesus' grand design for the church, he actually gave these different types of leaders to the church for the purpose of equipping people for works of service, mm-hmm. and so in that we see very plainly that the church has a responsibility, that church leadership has a responsibility, that people gifted this way have a responsibility to look for others to equip for mm-hmm. works of service. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think um, where, where the church has really uh, fallen short at times, and 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 it's you know they I think there's plenty of blame to go around on this one, you know, so you can blame the leaders and sometimes we can put blame on the followers and others, but we have been uh, very quick to, um, to say, well, let's, let, let's have the church hire some folks and we're going to have them do most of the work of ministry, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, then by giving, people feel like, well, I'm, I'm doing something to support the work of ministry and I don't really need to do anything else. Mm-hmm. The reality is that those who are gifted this fivefold way, mm-hmm. um, Paul would say those folks have a responsibility to be equipping others for works of service, and then others have a responsibility to be doing those works of service. And sometimes, you know, we uh, you know in ministry we can have a complex too, to where uh, we love doing all the work because with that comes the accolades of sometimes the work that gets done, especially if it's done well, right? Yeah. And so we can have a complex, and I think sometimes. Uh, Church members can have a complex, disciples of Jesus can have a complex. You know, on on one side or the other, whether it's, you know, I feel like I'm doing everything I need to be doing by Mm -hmm. giving financially or by showing up on a Sunday morning, or whether it's, you know, being in our seats and feeling like, well, you know, we're going to do all the work because that then comes back and it looks good upon us. And, you know, then so then we have like a little bit of what people would call like a Messiah complex out of that. Mm -hmm. When what we see in Scripture is very plainly the whole body of Christ coming together to do the work. We have teaching, training, and equipping going on at some level, but then those who are equipped go out and do the works of service, the works of ministry. And in that, the apostle Paul says, it's in that moment that the whole body, right? That the body of Christ will be built up and then we'll come to reach this unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And, and listen to these words, he says, and then in that moment, we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So it's when that equipping work happens from the leadership level, those who have the apostle or the prophet or the evangelist or the pastor or the teacher gift, those who have those gifts as they equip the church, they equip the church, the the body of Christ for works of service. In that moment, we now move to reaching maturity. Mm -hmm. But if we don't do that, what does it say for the church? Right? If we're not equipping, I mean, what's at stake? Well, we're not going to be, we're not going to reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and we're not going to become mature, and we're not going to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we're going to fall greatly short of the design of Jesus for his church. If we as the church, especially those of us in leadership, are not doing this equipping work, if we're not doing that, and Mm -hmm. if others who are being equipped are not turning around and doing Mm -hmm. these works of service, we're going to fall way short of of the vision that Jesus has for his church.
0: It's really good. Man, I, I think this is a really helpful conversation. These three categories of that Jesus is still training and equipping us through mm-hmm. God Himself, through the work of the Spirit, yeah. through the work of the Word of God, and through the work of the church. So, I mean, I think we would encourage anyone that if there's one of those category is that you're not really investing in right now that you don't feel like you're being trained and equipped in to find a way to invest in that whether that's spaying time in the word whether that's through the work of the church whatever that might look like in your life but um, so I guess as we just bring this to a close Mm -hmm. I think we've already given a lot of practical steps but where where would you land this if you had to give one step one practice for this week where would you land yeah. this for people?
1: So, so a couple of these things, you know, the first two are, are things that you really embrace at a personal level, right? right? So, um, you know, as God himself, through the work of the Holy Spirit, seeks to equip you, um, you've, got, you've got to surrender to that, you've got to desire that, you've got to want it. So as God works to equip you through the work of the Word, you know, through mm-hmm. Scripture, mm-hmm you've got to go and seek that out in scripture again. Mm -hmm. So that is, you've got to have a receptiveness, you've got to have a desire, you've got to be going and seeking that out. Um, The last one, you've got to have receptiveness and desire for as well, um, but you now need a partner in this. Okay. You know, sometimes people talk about this as, you know, we should all have uh, a Timothy, We should Mm -hmm, all have a Barnabas, mm -hmm. and we should all have a Paul. Mm -hmm. Well, the reality is we should all be a Timothy, we should all be a Barnabas, and we should all be a Paul. And in case Mm -hmm. you don't understand what that means is, you know, basically Paul was, uh, you know, Paul was apprenticing Timothy. Timothy was Paul's apprentice or young disciple in a sense. So he was Mm -hmm. discipling Timothy. Barnabas and Paul were peers and were encouragers and were, uh, you know, we're were building each other up at the peer-to-peer level. Um, And so we should all have a Timothy that Mm -hmm. we are engaging with. We should all have a peer that we're engaging with um, where we're just building each other up on a peer-to-peer level and then you need somebody who continues to equip you no matter what phase you find yourself in as a disciple of Jesus. uh, We need to be at this place where we are willing to go to others and say hey I need, would you be willing to help me in this as I try to take this next step forward in my walk Mm -hmm. with God. Mm -hmm. And so to have that relationship where you're being discipled or you know, if somebody comes to you and asks you for some time, hey, I need, I need a mentor, um, man, be that person's discipler. Help them, disciple them, help equip them for what lies ahead, and then have that person in your life that you're engaging with regularly where you are equipping and refining each other at that yeah. peer-to-peer level. You know, I think really that's, a, that's one big practical takeaway because, you know, again, those first two we can do on our own time and on our own schedule. Um, the next one you've got to be a little bit more proactive with. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have, have to be looking out for those who need to be discipled, and you're going to invest in somebody that yeah. way. You have to be willing to say yourself, I need someone to disciple me. You have to have that relationship as well that there's that peer-to-peer discipleship going on. And so mm-hmm. you've got to go seek out a partner in that. But, but I would definitely challenge people to to be willing to do that. That's what we're trying to call people in here into here at Grace Chapel is mm-hmm. seeking mm-hmm. out others this way. And then, you know, if you're somebody who's a mature disciple, well, there are a lot of people who don't know Jesus yet, that this kind of relationship could actually be the on-ramp to faith for mm-hmm. them as well. And, you know, for me, I, I would say I'm, I'm discipling <coughs> several folks who I don't, Uh, who have a a, a very limited relationship with Jesus, if a relationship with Jesus at all. Mm -hmm. But discipleship with them starts before they know Jesus. Yeah. Right? So it starts in that moment that I intentionally choose to pursue them. So it's the intent in the pursuit. Discipleship began in that moment. So I think there are some, some folks who are listening who may, that, that may be the next step for them is to actually find some folks who don't know Jesus yet. Mm-hmm. But there's also mm-hmm. a lot of work of discipling, discipleship to be done within the church too. That's good.
0: Awesome, Paul. I think that's a great spot to land it for today. Look forward to diving into, continuing this conversation yeah, next absolutely. week. And uh, just continuing to move forward with this series. So we just want to thank you all for joining us today, for joining us in this conversation. And we hope you take this seriously and find one of these practices that you can take this week, that you can uh, take as your next step in being faithful to Jesus. So we thank you for joining us, and we encourage you all to tune back in again next week.
1: Yeah, see you next week, and happy Easter between now and then. God bless you all.